This is the Private Capital Talent Series, Episode 8, Midwestern Private Capital Operations uh, Excellence with Isabel Charesse at Drive Capital and Ryan Berger here at PFA Solutions. And um, uh, for those who are coming on, um, you know where the Q&A button is. We'd love any questions you have. In fact, usually we have the questions at the end, but if you hear something interesting and um, and you want to um, um, ask something midstream, go ahead. I'll keep an eye out for it and see if I can weave uh, any questions in as we're talking. And then afterwards, uh, we'd love to follow up with uh, some of you, get some feedback, uh, find out what you'd hear, like to hear from us next. Uh, any any recommendations for for uh, for guests? And um, let's go into it, Isabel. Uh, can we invite you to tell us about uh, what you're focused on at Drive Capital and your own path to uh, venture capital? Sure. Hi, Chris. Um, hi, Ryan, and hi, everybody else on the call. Um, I am Isabel Trace, and as Chris said, um, I lead all things finance at Drive. Uh, so that includes overseeing our fund administration, um, our deal flow support with the investment team, portfolio analytics, financial reporting, um, and then just, just developing strategies in partnership with our, um, our portfolio companies as they scale as well. Um, so my background was in finance consulting from um, Deloitte, and um, one of the reasons that I got super excited about Drive and why I think that the GPs also felt that uh, I was a good fit for the organization is because I've had experience really scaling finance firms and um, Drive is just like at this really exciting inflection point where you know we've had a few funds historically and have started to really accelerate um, the products that we go to market with. And um, so Drive the firm has actually been growing alongside our portfolio companies. So I spend a lot of time thinking about what a world-class finance and um, finance operations organization looks like. and. Um, so I'm always looking for new tools to scale the organization, and that's kind of how I stumbled across uh, PFA and some of the other tools that we're, we're using in our toolbox to, to support the whole Drive platform. Um, I think personally, I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, which always surprises a lot of people, um, but I ended up at Notre Dame for college and then subsequently made my way back to Texas for grad school at Texas A&M. Um, so I've been all over. I thought for sure undergrad was going to be the last Midwest winter that I ever had, but um, alas, I am you know doing my third one here in Columbus. And um, I will say it's not as bad as anybody who's coming in from Chicago or right up on the lakes, but um, so I've I've lived all over and have had been really fortunate to have a few different opportunities that really led me to this opportunity to be head of finance at Drive. And speaking from uh, for Ryan and I on the Northeast, you don't have hurricanes. It's wonderful. Um, so you grew up in Texas. Um, you went to college in Texas, Indiana. Now you're leading finance at Drive in you're sitting in Columbus today. Um, how do those fold together? Yeah, um, I think, you know, I think I even wrote this in my bio on the Drive website that people probably think that me coming to Drive was a, a random choice, but um, one of the things that I'm really proud of at Drive and that we we go to market to um, find founders with is this concept of building where you're strongest. And um, really, that just means that we really believe that you can build a world-class technology company everywhere um, and anywhere. And so um, I think that the advantages come down to, um, you know, 
not just geography now. And so you can build in the short north, which is where I'm sitting today in the drive offices or West Loop of Chicago, or, um, you know, we've got a, an exciting company that is based in, um, you know, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, so we really think that you build where the talent is and drive is building where the talent is. And um, we tell our founders, build where your customers are. And um, that is our investment thesis. Um, we feel like it's really strongly intact. And as somebody from a place like Amarillo, which kind of is an overlooked geography, so to speak, um, that really resonated with me. And so, um, you know, we everybody in this space and who's tech adjacent kind of understands what cloud computing has done for ability to really grow, you know, huge technology companies. Um, but I think that that also means you can have the best of both worlds when you're building a venture capital firm. And, and I think you're speaking generally about drive capital and the investment thesis. How does that apply to operations, that mindset? Yeah, so I think, you know, Drive was and kind of is a startup right alongside um, the companies that we invest in. And so the story is very similar. When um, Chris and Mark came from Sequoia and they decided to put up shop in Columbus, they had really specific reasons for doing so around the investment thesis, but there just wasn't much of an ecosystem of service providers um, in Columbus, especially in the fund accounting space. And, um, you know, I think Ryan, where you are in the Northeast, there, there's a high concentration of people that you can turn to. Um, but for the same reason that companies have been able to build outside of Silicon Valley in the, the tech space, um, I think the same has become true of the operational excellence that we can bring to venture capital, even being in the Midwest. Um, and I kind of parse that out by saying that, like, um, you know, we're, you're trying to find a balance between the talent that's available and also the experience. And um, so from Drive's perspective, um, very early on in um, the history of the firm, we, we started working with um, a company that is now Griffin Fund Group, and um, they're based out of Cleveland. And um, yeah, I think the proximity was really awesome when this firm was small and building because we could really like whiteboard and figure out what the firm needed to be successful. Um, and they've got a great bench of talent, really low turnover, um, and they want to serve um, this geography in the VC community. Um, so we've partnered with them and you know various iterations of that team since inception. Um, but we also engage subject matter experts um, you know, across the spectrum. Um, and sometimes we look outside of the region for that. Um, so that kind of rounds out and you know, I think complements our, our local talent and our, our service model. Um, and I think it's awesome that the Griffin team has definitely scaled with us, um, but there's also so many managers and, um, you know, service, um, there's so many managers and subject matter experts that are, um, you know, spread all over the country and even all over the world. And uh, the pandemic I made that even more apparent, the, the frequency with which that I was getting connected with peers and kind of learning what they were doing over Zoom. Um, so I think that I've had I've been really pleased with our ability to like really um, work with talent in the Ohio and the Columbus area, um, but we also assure and our LPs know that we can really tap into like the skill sets and the knowledge anywhere um, to make sure that we're delivering to you know the limited partner community and the portfolios that we serve and then, of course, even the in house drive team itself. 
Um, so I know that was super long winded, but it's all to say that like the same thing that's happening in tech is happening in the private markets and, um, you know, and that you can set up shop wherever. And, um, you know, we work with Gunderson and our team is in Silicon Valley, but we work with the Griffin team that's in Cleveland and, um, you know, it, it all just like collaborates really nicely in this, um, in this kind of era. Um, I was, so I think Ryan and I both went to Virginia Tech and I'll just speak for myself, but uh, I ended up here in Connecticut um, because I was dating and I'm now married to a software developer. And, um, you know, she came um, to Virginia Tech from, from Bulgaria. And then I followed her here to the Northeast because that's where you had to be as uh, talent for FinTech um, software. And then we have friends who are investing um, in startups in, in Bulgaria um, the, the sort of talent um, situation is very interesting. How does the technology part weave into that? How are you using technology as you're sourcing uh, the best um, uh, talent, either locally or, or where it exists? Yeah, so... I think from a finance and, um, you know, a mid and back office perspective, there's the really obvious technology, right, which is that we've got Slack and um, we're all on Zoom and, um, you know, we're able to like really collaborate well. Um, you know, this has been a really pivotal point for Drive and that we've now have some team members that sit in um, Colorado and some team members that sit in, um, you know, Toronto as well. And so, um, of course, that we have collaborated the way all of everybody on this call, I'm sure their teams have. Um, but I think that where I get excited and what is really needed from um, finance and for drive is that making sure that the technology also um, can bridge the gaps between like talent and experience and geography. Um, so, you know, I think we have, you know, some platforms and accounting systems that help us work asynchronously and, um, you know, help us just really manage timelines and you know, most importantly, manage the portfolio and aggregate data from the portfolio so that we can really keep a pulse on performance. Um, but I think that like we've firm view included in the, the, you know, the platform that we've started using this year is just another great example of how um, we brought in really specific tools that cover an area of expertise to, to complement the team members that we have. Ryan, maker of uh, firm view with the larger team. Uh, how, um, in your experience working with you know GPs or fund services uh, firms, um, how unique is Isabel's approach and 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 what she's talking about in terms of the talent and the technology? Uh, I think uh, I mean unique Isabel um, certainly unique from her background as well as the firm Drive being in the Midwest. Uh, when we first got the inbound on our website from Isabel, we Googled and I think it said like largest VC in Ohio. Um, so that so that is certainly unique. Uh, we have 15 venture capital firms on our platform for you right now, and I was looking at the numbers earlier, and, and more than half of them are all centered in the Bay Area and San Francisco. So I, I think it's it's something that probably offers a lot of opportunities. There's uh, certainly unique talent in the Midwest that probably offers a different perspective from investment perspective. You can probably find new investment opportunities in the Midwest, as well as even potential investors coming from the corporates and um, universities, pensions in the Midwest. So there's probably all kinds of, of unique experiences that um, that Drive can tap into being where they they are and, and really going against the, the status quo of Bay Area of VC firm. Uh, 
to Isabel's point, probably offers a lot of other opportunities with, with COVID and people now moving and working much more remote. So there might be uh, some top talent that is coming from the East Coast or coming from the West Coast that may may want to live in Columbus, Ohio and, and be part of this exciting new firm. So I, I, it sounds like really great things are going on at Drive right now. So and they've been a great partner working with us so far um, and using FirmView. And, and in terms of the mindset of leaning into a sort of step change of innovation if it comes to you know tech and, and talent, um, I think you mentioned VCs. Uh, is that a more common mindset amongst VCs or what are you seeing there? Yeah, yeah I mean, VCs are our fastest growing client base right now. Uh, even though compared to large private equity, large credit funds, the AUM size, is, is not as large, but they've, they've really embraced our technology solution. We've they brought on a dozen this year or, or over the last year and a half, a dozen new VC firms. When we, you know, two years ago, we may have had one, two VCs. So absolutely, it seems like the innovative mindset of their portfolio companies, of their investment thesis, somehow makes its way down to operations. People like Isabel, finding companies like us, and, and they're, able to be nimble. I, I, at first, I used to think, oh, maybe VCs are just better at Googling than, um, than your traditional private private equity or, or credit fund. Uh, but yeah, I think they just have that innovative mindset. As Isabel mentioned, that they're a startup, they're investing in startups, and they're, they're able to take a chance with smaller firms, you know, do different things um, that, from an operations perspective, and license software companies and work work with firms like us. Uh, I think they also have a very collaborative um, social arrangement that we're constantly getting um, inbounds from a sales perspective where folks are saying, well, we saw you, we heard about you on a Slack channel or we were friends with the CFO of this big fund and we, we just wanted to see your product and learn more about who you are. So I, I think that there's a, a very collaborative nature within, within the, the CFO finance folks investment professionals at VCs. They really, they really share, share with each other. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was something I, I know we were talking about before the call. And I, I was like, Isabel, what, how did you find us? Why? Like, is that, um, yeah, I love, love your thoughts on, on this matter as well in terms of, you know, why, why are VCs, you know, at least licensing our product, doing other things that, that to me seem to be more innovative. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head on a few of those things. And um, I am on several Slack channels with peers and, um, you know, a member of VCBC and NVCA. And, and so, you know, to your point, um, I, I feel like I use the word ecosystem a lot, but it, it really is an ecosystem and it's, it's small and mighty. And a lot of times we're finding that we are creating the processes as we go. Um, and so I think that that has kind of made us um, you know, pioneers by nature as an industry and um, open to looking for tech and opportunities that can grow efficiently and um, you know, help us grow fast. And um, yeah, I, I hope that this is sort of the culture at most people's firms, but I would also say here at Drive, I've observed um, a really strong like bias towards like giving permission and experimenting um, we are looking for a, strong, a lot of upside in the companies that we evaluate and um, we're hearing pitches all the time about cutting edge ways to like 
really augment and, um, you know, or even replace processes. And um, so we're hearing that and that's what we're listening for. And so I think it sort of does um, embed itself into our, our culture and um, looking for ways to be uh, more effective. And, you know, I think from a talent perspective, we, we run lean. Um, you're always, I think it's surprising when you find out what the headcount is at a lot of like private funds. And um, so for that instance, like anywhere that we can, you know, make um, one person's job really like be three FTs or something like that's very exciting to us because we're, um, we're working on a lot with a little sometimes. Uh, speaking of questions, um, there is a Q and A uh, button um, though some members of the audience have my email um, and Isabel, um, into this now or later, uh, but uh, I do have a message uh, asking if you have any advice on which Slack channels are the best um, to learn about operations and technology. Yeah, um, so I would be happy to kind of call my list and um, you know share with you over email, Chris. But um, I think that if you are in you know ops or um, finance, uh, I have found the BCBC to be another really great community um, that's putting on events um, and has a Slack channel and is geared more towards mid and back office versus the investment side of the house. So um, that's my shout out. Um, but I'll also rack my brain and. Um, I'm available via email too. So forums like this, I am sure that, um, you know, I will be able to make one or two additional connections out of this. And I appreciate that. Awesome. We kept, and, I kept hearing, I, heard, I saw you on Slack. We heard that you on Slack. And then, yeah, I found out BCBC is the, is the one that a lot of people share. I believe that there's separate like streams of topics on that or for various things. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then maybe one other plug that just kind of came to me, but um, is really leveraging your service providers and the the fact that they have other clients. And so um, whether that's Silicon Valley Bank or Gunderson, um, we're constantly, I'm constantly being asked to sort of, you know, make a path where there isn't one. And the first thing I do is ask like, what are your other managers doing in this space? And um, that's also been a, a really helpful vein for us, especially when um, there weren't really other VCs in Columbus. So um, yeah, I, I think lean on service providers as well because they have other clients. Uh, Brian, I'm gonna continue to go off track for a second because I think you and I were having a conversation that you guys are seeing inbounds as well. It does seem to be a hunger out there to um, not just learn about technology, but then you as a technology provider getting inbound. I don't know if it weighs more towards the VC or PE side about just best practices beyond tech. Yeah, we've. Uh, it's interesting, Chris. That's that's right. Over the last few years, we we've now onboarded over thirty clients onto FirmView carrying compensation. So I think we're now seen as a thought leader, or at least a, a light thought leader in this, this space because of all the different companies we are now working with. So we, we do get questions from time to time, how, how do others do certain things? And, and we, we're either able to field those or to your point, Isabel, we're able to um, connect them with our fund admin partners and other, other compensation companies in the space if they have specific questions. But we're, we, we, we certainly see firms wanting to understand how are others doing vesting schedules? How are others handling this in, in your system? How do they set up their arrangements? And you know, we've we've been uh, able to field those those questions and help clients think through things, especially the the newer startup firms that 
don't have a vesting schedule yet and they they want to know what's what's normal and you know for the extent that we can share we we give them some some information and getting back on script if we if we stay focused on vcs um what isabel was describing um kind of sounded like uh uh isabel found you guys but demands results is that tell me more about that that sort of mentality in terms of uh trying things but also uh wanting it to work yeah so i think um I'm sure that a lot of people feel similarly is that when you start as a really small shop, um, everybody sort of feels a lot of strong ownership around the way that things have been done. And I, I think, you know, I appreciate Ryan saying that the VCs have moved fast, but I also kind of find that sometimes it takes um, a lot of, um, you know, pushing to get people to, to let go of the, the processes that we hold on to um, in, you know, our spreadsheets and things like that. And so, um, one of the things when I came in and having worked with like Fortune 500 companies is um, I can really challenge the idea that like, oh, it's faster and it's easier if we just keep this model that we've had since we started the firm in 2012. And so um, I really tried to challenge the partnership and the GPs and like um, thinking about like what is really best served through professional services and like what is best served through um, software, you know, process um, augmentation and um, Comp and Carrie jumped out at me first. One, because it's the most painful. Um, when you know, I think that relative to other organizations, we're small, but um, was as we've hired more and we, as we've had more people go on to do other exciting things, um, our carry model was getting unwieldy. And um, mechanically, it's not that complex, but um, you know, I, it's it started to feel like it was a, a risk point. Um, and something that jumped out at me is like, this is a workflow that's super sensitive. Um, errors as you're linking tabs on spreadsheets just starts to get a little bit, um, it just gets, starts to get more frequent. Um, you find yourself kind of every time there's a new employee, you're copying over what is a template and you're kind of missing some of these linkages that can cause um, more of a mess. And so I was like, there's gotta be somewhere I can turn to not have, uh, you know, us turn into a 50 person organization that's still managing um, carrying a spreadsheet. Um, and people are really sensitive about it because it's it's their money and it's their reward for really hard work. And so um, it has like this kind of emotional connection and the value and recognition to the team members. And so, um, you know, psychology and also just like a, a risk. And that's, you know, my consulting brain is like, go find where there's like the risk of breakages. And this one felt to me like I never want to be in a conversation um, where I've misquoted Carrie, whether you know low or too high. Um, and so even though there was a reflex to just kind of keep adding tabs to the spreadsheet um, and kind of, you know, I think I'm I am flattered that I have high trust from the organization, but, um, you know, I think that as we get bigger, there are more people who are part of the compensation and carry conversations. Um, and so I, when I came across FirmView, I thought like, this is going to be fantastic because one, we just, we get the accuracy um, and the consistency, but um, we also get um, a way to kind of control who is involved in this process a little bit better. Um, and then we also um, just create a new level of transparency for team members. And so what historically were just kind of like PDF statements that we were distributing. Um, now employees can kind of, they can look at their own vesting schedules. They can understand um, where they sit relative to the fund. So, um, you know, I think that this has been one of my first and big pushes and sort of breaking down barriers and getting more alignment in the organization. Um, 
And I've been really excited about that. Um, but I will say that I looked at a, a few other platforms um, outside of, um, you know, FirmView. And once I decided to go down the software route, I, I, I didn't really want something that was going to be just like an overlay to Excel, so to speak. And I think there are a lot of hybrid solutions out there, but um, where you're still kind of a human in the loop. And that to me didn't feel um, like it was going to like fully augment the process. So um, what I really liked about PFA is that um, they were doing something specific and really well. Um, and I think that like coming from bigger organizations, the propensity is to want like a one-stop shop. And um, we're, in, we're in VC. Um, there's not a lot of us. We're small organizations with low tech budgets. The, the odds of finding a tool that does everything you want to do in the, the finance back office is very slim. Um, so I, what I found in this instance was something that was going to like really replace an entire workflow and do it well um, and also really let us customize to our firm. Like I was so like surprised and happy to hear like we can really handle any kind of vesting schedule, different investing schedules across firms, um, you know, co-investment vehicles, all the different types of products um, can really be built into the platform. And um, and my goal at the end of the implementation phase was to, to be self-service. I think um, Ryan and the implementation team have been really great, but I, I don't really want to keep talking to you and I don't really want to um, constantly be having to like, you know, circle back because we've rolled out a new fund and now everything's broken. So, um, you know, I think this is a non-frustrating solution, which is always a win um, in the back office. Um, but I think that like the the software has like it's super scalable. Like it's going to work for us at our current headcount, but it's going to work for us at hopefully one day when we're at a hundred headcount or wherever we're heading. That's very kind of you. And and um, Ryan, I want to um, get your response on the expectations of how much. What 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 are realistic expectations in terms of what software should be able to do on its own without you necessarily needing to reach out to someone? But first, um, we have uh, two questions. Um, so this is for both of you, both for Isabel. As you broaden the geography of your employee base and perhaps the experience set outside of VC, uh, do you see a Medici effect? as you collaborate around issues you're trying to uh, solve? Um, yeah, I, I, well, I think that, um, you know, we're, I love the collaboration, the collaborative nature of the peer group, like every other head of finance that I talk to is like ready to jump in um, and support and like really at drive, we say open the kimono. Uh, I don't know how PC that is, but everybody's really open to sharing and um, and is very like, I think operates with candor around like, yeah, some, even though we're investing in cutting edge firms um, or companies, like some of the things are more rudimentary than you would expect. Um, but I also think that like, um, we're, we're balancing that also with, um, trying to counteract, you know, groupthink to some extent. And, um, maybe it's a little bit easier for us because we're in the Midwest, the, the, we're in less of a bubble. I could see how, like, perhaps if you're in a, a more concentrated VC ecosystem, it's like, well, um, all of the tier one VCs are doing this or all of the tier one PEs are doing this. We have to do this. We're not as much in, in that bubble. And so I, I think that like, um, I feel like we have a really healthy balance of like collaborating, but also, um, you know, not not feeling like we necessarily have to follow the herd. 
That's fantastic. I just finished reading uh, Will Thorndike's uh, Outsiders. Um, so that's fascinating about the value and strength of being outside the bubble. Uh, the second question is, uh, what are some of the successful ideas you implemented around building your culture in a remote world? It's something uh, we spent a lot of time thinking about, and I'd love to hear uh, what you've had success with. So I don't think that we're perfect at it yet. We're, we're certainly, we're early on this, but um, I think that we, um, we've implemented things that Drive didn't used to have because everybody was just sitting on the, the same floor and um, asterisks that we do tend to be in office, I think more than maybe some of our peers, um, but we've implemented a monthly all hands. Um, we're also doing um, like teach and learns. And so, um, cause we've just had new departments spring up. Like our, we have an engineering team at Drive now. We have a data scientist at Drive. We're building out a, tra a talent platform at Drive. So doing um, teach-ins across departments has been really important um, for like just making sure that we're not siloed. Um, the monthly all hands, anybody is able to put things on the agenda and get time. And that's really an audience of the entire firm. Um, and then I think we have, I think sort of defined responsibility a little bit better. Like when we were small, everybody kind of had their hands in a lot of pots and that can be tricky if you've got um, people scattered, like who's owning what. So I think we've also tried to be a lot more deliberate about who is the point, point of contact for what so that everybody gets um, the necessary information. Um, and then lastly, from the finance perspective, that's really been through tools. So um, FirmView is a good example of like now anybody can kind of click in no matter where they're sitting. Um, we're also, we've been using Airtable, which um, is a tool that I really like because you can add users with different permissions. And um, so finding tools that allow us to kind of permission who sees what and at what levels, um, but also allowing anybody to jump in. And um, the last tool that we've implemented that um, I really liked is um, Giraffe for FP&A, and it's spelled J-I-R-A-V. Um, and that's another one where I really love the per permissioning levels because I can do like bottoms up planning with some of the other teams um, and then take like a fuller view to the GPs. So tools, a lot for sure. Fantastic. And... Um... And I don't think I mentioned this beginning. We're, we're uh, super grateful to have Isabel on because uh, she's actually in that week uh, having those conversations about carrying and comp. Um, and uh, well, I don't want people to think that you you paid me to say this because you definitely didn't. But um, it has been a lot more turnkey because I think that people. Usually at this time of year, everyone's pinging me like, remind me how much carry I have in these forms. I can't find my carry letters, blah, blah, blah. Everybody went into this season knowing what they have, where they're vested. Like some of those table stakes questions were already answered. Um, so really the conversation, I've had more time to just focus on working with the partners on, you know, um, where we're taking folks in 2023. So um, I, doing my first cycle of comp and carry with um, FirmView, it's, I, I've already seen the, the benefit there. So that's my plug. But it's also very true. Thank you so much. And and Ryan, I, I, I promise to come back to you. How quickly? To, sorry. What? Yeah, I think we have to give Isabella a discount with all these uh, <laughs> complimentary uh, comments about the platform. But great to hear that it's it's working well, and and you you've stood up the employee portal so everyone can log in and pull down their information. It's great to hear. Yeah. Um, we're over time. Ryan, did you have a quick response on? Uh, software uh, implementation. Sure, sure. Yeah, Isabel brought up great points on that. Ultimately, if you purchase software, you want it to be turnkey. You want to be able to use it. Uh, 
that's where we're certainly striving for as we build new new features and functionalities. We're taking a step back and saying, how can this be configurable? How can a user either on our professional services team or the client add a new column, add a new button here, add a new page? So we've, we're investing a lot of resources and time in making sure that we have that capability. Uh, with that being said, I, I think that enterprise software does require a people aspect, a significant amount of our time is dedicated to working with clients to make sure they understand the product and that we are developing new features functionality to react to new requests, to develop reports the way that clients need them to. So I, I think that the people aspect is, is absolutely important. Um, and then certainly we are as a company striving to, to make the software more configurable and, and business user driven. We're, we're just not a Apple iPhone iPhone yet, but hopefully someday we'll we'll have a um, a product without a help help file. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you everybody uh, for joining us.